right, it is Huckleberry Wednesday. This is Tombstone Minute. I'm your host, Rob, joined, as always, by my good friend, Joe. And first time Huckleberry for us today, Jim is here. Hello, hello. It's great to be here. It's great to be on Tombstone Minute. Um, Jim, before we, we came on here, you were telling us uh, your viewing history of Tombstone. I think our listeners would love to hear that. I, well, it's, it's a thrill to talk about Tombstone because it was the VHS like smash uh, tape of uh, South Scott Hall at UW Oshkosh my freshman year of college. <laughs> and we watched it a lot, and I loved it. And then uh, tied into that is I know you guys have talked about this is a f- good friend of mine, a, a man you know too. Uh, he advocated for Wyatt Earp, and I just thought that was the dumbest thing. I was like, how? Like I don't yeah. want three and a half hours. It's stupid. This movie's so. <laughs> this movie is so cool. Val Kilmer, like it's really like it just jolts you right with great, with great visceral action. I don't want to see Wyatt Earp. And then yeah. Tombstone just exited my life. And I, I never watched it on any format after the 90s other than VHS. Like, I never watched it in the 2000s. I didn't watch it until just very recently because of you guys. And um, I had, like, a jolt of adrenaline that I haven't felt in over 20 years. That's awesome. It well, was terrific. So just just listen. People are waiting to hear what minute this is. This is minute 88 we're on. I just need our listeners to know that. This is minute 88. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and... The doctor cannot get the bullet out, but but until we until we get there, there's a lot of blood, guys. There's a lot of blood here. Good lord! <laughs> no, I'm not the movie historian that that Joe is. Uh, I actually don't watch that many movies, <laughs> but uh, this is a great gunshot scene to me because there's blood just smeared everywhere. <laughs> yeah, my my visceral reaction to it is about how like my grandparents had a pool table, and we were. <laughs> Every time we went over, we were warned to keep our soda away from that pool oh, table. You would never put a drink on that green felt. Oh, my God. And then now I like I see that shot with blood smeared all over. I'm like, oh, he ruined the pool table. Oh. That's- <laughs> like it gives me like I, I recoil from the screen. Maybe but- maybe that's what the dog is so upset about. I've been the, I've been waiting do- for this. If you criticize that dog, I will drive to Madison tonight to fight you. <laughs> Like your 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 takeaway from this podcast is gonna be like I hate horses and dogs. <laughs> We're not no- there yet. Hold on. You, do, you you hate dogs? No, I didn't say that. I just think this dog's going to. I know the, he's going to. This to troll dog me. should not eat from the table. That's all. That's not for this minute. But it shouldn't eat from the table. That's fair. You shouldn't be eating at a poker table. Period. So like when they put their plates on that poker table, bets are off. They, you all know bets are off. their table manners are all over the place. The herbs. Between uh, eating all over it and bleeding over this one, it, it, it's a. <laughs> I didn't think of the dog as anything other than a device for ratcheting up tension. Yeah. And uh, as I watched this scene uh, many times over the last couple days, it made me think of the uh, firecrackers in Boogie Nights. Oh yeah. <laughs> Here's this re- like very intense thing to begin with. Let's throw some firecrackers in. Here's a yeah. guy bleeding out, and there's a close-up of a bullet wound. Let's have a dog barking in the background that drives our lead character insane. I it, wish they zoomed in on like did the slow track in on Walt. 
or whatever the heck is. I always forget his name, the bartender. Milt. And Milt. And he's got the dead-eyed, stare, like, thousand-yard stare, just like Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights. Milt. <laughs> like, what have I done? <laughs> Milt is the only guy in this room keeping it together. Well, I mean, it sucks. He's stoic as always. And and I think we should give him credit for it. I Listen, Joe, I don't, I'm not going to let you sully the name of Milt as much as you have. Well, I can't sully someone when I don't remember their name. That's true. <laughs> uh, I, Milt, Milt is not the most memorable character. No, but he's probably top 30 or 40 in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll grant you that. I, th- this, this blood is, if I recall, and I should because we just talked about it, but the previous shot before we see all this blood is like a pretty stylized shot of um, Wyatt, like in the lightning and like the the um, the red sash blowing across, and then it hard cuts to just this massacre, just this close up of blood and cloth. It's awful. Always it's like yeah, private. Always a yeah. great sign, though, of a great gunshot scene. It is. It is like similar to Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, where he's in the back seat. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you a doctor? <laughs> just instantaneous. Just here's the blood. Like you weren't expecting this, were you? No. There's lightning in the in the streets of Tombstone. The sash. Like I knew. I was checking the timer and again. I'm, I can't remember exactly. My 20s and 30s not the clearest <laughs> memories of my life. <laughs> but I, do, I don't believe I watched this movie for damn near 20 years. But as soon as that came to that scene, him walking away, letting the sash go, like I mean, that was I was ready to go. And then we're right into this, the blood. It was terrific. It it's is a visceral. great scene. It's a great it scene. Uh, um, but you know, it's serious. That dog is barking. No one will <laughs> shut him up. That's <laughs> his wife is screaming, or girlfriend, or whatever. Uh, Lou, Lou is screaming. In real life, Lou was out of town, guys. Yeah. Speaking of real life. <laughs> Now, you guys have taken this educational bent with the podcast, right? Which well, I doubted at first. You're like, using that word very loosely. Well, Here's the I thing, mean, though. It, there is enough truth to it. It really it made me wonder. So I looked up some stuff about Morgan Earp's death. Mm, yeah. And it's a little discouraging that they didn't, yeah. they didn't hew to the historical uh, accuracy. I didn't realize well, in real life the bullet uh, entered his body and then exited. And then hit someone. Yeah. I'm like, oh, does this ruin Tombstone for me, knowing that uh, in the film they tried to portray it as stuck inside Morgan Earp? And it doesn't. It does not ruin the movie at all. Well, we kind of talked about this last minute, but the physician, the doctor who is there, is a a well-known physician uh, and a naturalist as well. George Goodfellow. Um, Yes, uh, who is known as the... uh, uh, he's like an expert on gunshot wounds. Yeah, this was my thought coming into this. I'm like, if I, I apologize if you guys have already discussed this in depth. No, but go ahead. If you, he's like the foremost expert on bullet wounds for the time, right? Mm-hmm. First civilian trauma surgeon. Mm-hmm. First surgeon to perform a lap, lap, laparotomy, I think is how you say it, where you enter the abdominal cavity to treat a gunshot wound, right? If this guy is there, and he throws his hands up after you squirm around a little bit. It's not your day. Uh, yeah, I can't believe you didn't mention the most important thing he did. 
He was the first to perform a perennial prostectomy. Oh. Uh, I also saw that on the internet. And I don't know what that is, but I think it has something to do with butts. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's a butt-related procedure. Yeah, he is the like the top butt doctor in the old west, and he couldn't he couldn't save the day. It's like it, the 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 way the doctor gives up to not that I mean you know I don't I don't want a five, a five minute scene where the doctor tries to save Morgan Earp. I understand he needs to die to keep the story. It turns going. into like an hour long episode of ER, <laughs> but it's just the bullet's too deep. I can't get it out. That's that's his quote. He gives up really fast. Yeah, it's like I said, hold still. Uh, uh, we're done here. Where was Maddie with the laudanum to calm him down? <laughs> She's probably drank it all. Because this is the same doctor that worked on um, Morgan in Virgil after the shootout at the OK Corral. He worked on Virgil after being, you know, he just took Virgil's arm off, and then he comes over to the <laughs> to Morgan, and he's got to, you know deal with this i think he's just tired he's probably you know hit his hours for the week and he's done yeah well it's been stressful in tombstone i mean if you think about it to this point how many people has this guy tended to yeah i mean i don't i don't blame him but he just he quickly gives up the dog barks and then he's just like you know what i'm out i'm i'm a cat person well <laughs> He's allergic to dogs, and that's yeah. really why he left. Well, it's almost as though it's almost as though the word got around that the foremost expert on treating bullet wounds was in Tombstone, so they started shooting each other. Yeah, <laughs> the, guy, the guy's here. Yeah, but you you know you notice no one got shot in the butt. They knew that. Don't shoot him in the butt. He'll yeah. fix that. Stay away from the ass. Doesn't work. Yeah, he's got endless patience for the ass. <laughs> Um, this is all this without like is is leading into such a beautiful segue to my question for you two guys, which I yes. I'll wait until we're done talking about the movie. But okay, uh, just I'm so glad you keep bringing up butt doctors because I know <laughs> it's going to be related to your answer, Rob. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> this will make sense later. Also, I like that also we have um, Wyatt keeps referring. You know, he keeps saying like Easy Morg. You know, calm down. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's foreshadowing t- for where Morgan's going to end up. The uh, morgue. Oh, God. <laughs> so this is related to... A, uh, that's What's wrong with you? As, as I mentioned right before... Yeah, I'm with Joe, actually, here for a minute, too. Uh, as There's I mentioned, no morgue in Tombstone. When did morgues come about? When they got electricity, I would yeah, assume. Yeah, I think the more... I think you just... I think they took you to the edge of town. I mean, it is pretty hot in Arizona. It's a desert. What do they do with you? Put bury you in the cemetery. What do you mean? Right what away do they do with you. I I know in the past, I just want to say real quick. I know in the past that you've been given a hard time, Rob, for your puns. Yes, that was a rough one. <laughs> the reason he's given such a hard time, and there are witnesses to this, is he once said earnestly and honestly, "I don't like puns." Yeah. And the whole room got quiet. <laughs> and I, I've never seen humans come together as one quite like when <laughs> Rob Lumley said, I don't like puns. And I swear at least eight people just stared at him in silence, all unified in their shock and and disgust that he would have the gall to say that. 
I'm all about unity. <laughs> you did. You brought people together. Yep. Yeah. Oh, um, hey, <clears throat> excuse me. I have a question though for you guys. Oh. Mm-hmm. About a very goofy thing in this scene. Okay. That uh, I didn't catch at first, but so here's how we get to this point where where Morgan is just covered in in blood and dying on a pool table. So his brother Virgil, in the minutes leading up to this, his brother Virgil has just been shot. Yep. Right. And he finds out that the cowboys went after some women. And this is like so beyond the pale in Tombstone and in the Western culture. It makes McMaster, a guy who I didn't look up the guy's, the actor's name, but man, I've seen that actor and everything. Was he in? Michael, uh, Michael Rooker. He's in uh, Guardians. He's in the Sylvester Stallone mountain climbing movie, isn't he? Yes, he is in Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, yeah. Couldn't yeah. So all these things have his brother's been shot. His uh, the family is under attack. They went after women, which is like the just truly shocking. We don't even know what to do. Wyatt wants to leave town. He storms out of this room in anger, and then he goes to shoot pool. Yeah, we. <laughs> it is a bizarre thing to do. Yeah, why? Why? Like you know, what makes sense is if they had him sitting at the bar sullenly drinking. Like that would make sense. Yeah, and he could still get shot in the back that way. Like he, yeah, so in he, real life, he was shot while shooting pool, right? Didn't we? Uh, yes, him? that is correct. But like, if you're gonna condense the narrative though, like this, which they which they did, then you can't. You have to abandon that fact too, because it's not cool. Yeah, it, it seemed like they twisted what would make most sense for the story to get in the historical accuracy. Yeah, which is strange. It, they have the right doctor. <laughs> yeah, they, they got, that's true. <laughs> they took the time to look it up. <laughs> yeah, pre-internet, which is not easy. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, I I don't understand it either. I don't because I mean it happens immediately afterwards. He storms out and then he he runs off to the to play pool by himself. Like maybe ask Milt to play with you. He's just standing there in the back. Yeah, Milt's in the back. He's not even in focus. Man. So, that, so that's a bit of a weird one. Yeah. But hey, the blood makes up for it. <laughs> it's just, it's a great. So I, we, we watched it. I watched it with my girlfriend, and she had never seen the movie. And as the movie goes on, we're like, man, this is the movie of the sweaty close up. Yeah, they're very sweaty. <laughs> yes. in like scene. everyone is just, every shot is really tight, and they're sweating. Every character gets it. And then this is this is the scene with the. Just they're both just Wyatt and Morgan. Like here we are, heat, yeah, it's, sweat, and blood. It's rare that we would have a sequence of so much sweat and no Doc Holiday. <laughs> That's true. That's very Who's, true. Uh, generally, the sweatiest one there. Um, so this minute sort of ends with um, you know Morgan and Wyatt having a, a, a chat. Yes. Um, and and. Uh, Morgan says, you know, don't let him get you, brother. You're the one. Yeah. Which is the third time in this movie that Morgan has told Wyatt that he's the one. It's really great, though, because I'm a very passive. I mean, I don't know how it is for me. Some people don't like things to be so obvious, but I'm a very passive movie watcher. Like, I miss obvious stuff all the time. Okay. And I like how Tombstone just leads me all the way. (laughs) It's not subtle. Tombstone takes me by the hand. It makes me feel the emotions. Like uh, like earlier, right shortly before this, the thing that pushes Virgil over the edge is he's 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 on he's teetering, right? Like I, we might have to become lawmen. 
and then he steps outside. The cowboys are running rampant, and then he has to snatch a child out of the street. <laughs> <laughs> like it's bad enough. Like these guys do whatever they want. They kill. They're they just they, they run ruin riot. that wedding. They, yeah, it's weird how, <laughs> how they the ruin, ruin that wedding. The ruin a wedding. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you you're thought, right. It, they do ruin. What it. kind of monster ruins a wedding like yeah. that? But then, but they, but just Tombstone makes sure there's no doubt. Like they, they might even trample children with horses. I mean, Tombstone shows that you can lead a horse to water oh. and make it drink. Huh? That's that's a horse thing, and I didn't even make a pun out of it. Can is there a function on here to mute Rob's mic? Still Let's not. Still not there. No, I'm gonna almost email support. <laughs> um. Well, they they led they led this horse exactly to where I needed to go. I was really surprised, like watching it again after so much time away, how like good it held up for me. I agree. Um, we uh, we we criticize this movie because we're forced to look at it minute by minute. But um, I still really enjoy this movie, and I still to this day, if someone's like, well, not while we're doing the podcast, I won't watch this movie with someone until we're done. But when we're done and anyone's like, hey, do you want to watch Tombstone? I'll be like, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I could see myself rewatching it again. I don't know if I'd have the dorm room arguments of 1994. Because uh, <laughs> back then, like, Doc Holliday was everything. Oh, man. Yeah. He's very, I mean, it's great. But, like, watching it again, I was like, man, I had a real hero worship for this guy who tuberculosis himself into nothing. He's he's an interesting character, and I, I, I kind of started talking about this last week, but I never really finished that point. But, like, we, you know, the way Val Kilmer plays Doc Holliday is they take a, like, hero of the West, and they turn him into, you know, this, like, I mean, he is a Southern gentleman, but they really play off this, like, you know, Southern gentleman, almost dandy character, and make him uh, almost flamboyant, and everyone loves him, right? Like... To take, like, that sort of, like, Old West hero and make that spin on it, when you compare him to, like, all the other Old West uh, characters in movies that are a lot more, like, just, like, manly man tough, it's incredible, like, how I feel like Val Kilmer switches out a little bit with Doc Holliday, and it works for everyone. Oh, yeah. And even for characters in the movie who don't, like, who, who had it, who had the theory that the homoeroticism was behind the shootout at the OK Corral? <laughs> was that Duff? <laughs> I think that was Duff, yeah. Oh, because he winks at him? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Doc Holliday, he, he works wonders when on everyone. I guess what, it's, it speaks, uh, yeah. what it speaks to is that one thing, uh, and and you guys tell me if I'm wrong, and I know you will, but one <laughs> thing that transcends everything about male relationships is that like having a self-destructive nature is at some level sort of universally respected. No, yeah, like, totally. Like sort of the fact that he's like drinking and smoking, gambling himself to death, transcends every other aspect of his personality because there's some, I, I think some aspect of masculinity that aspires to that so deeply that it, it makes everybody in this movie love him. I would agree. I think that was a big reason why it was such a huge hit among 18 and 19 year olds who were eager to, you know, basically eat and drink the entire world (laughs) simultaneously. Uh, I mean, it's still like, 
those moments like where he like snaps out of the true affliction to, you know, shoot a bad guy. It still it still brings the chills. But I mean, I, I think you're you're right, Joe. But what what it still has to be a, something more to it, right? Because Johnny Ringo is a guy who is trying to be that too, and it it doesn't work the oh, way Johnny Doc Ringo. Holiday does. Well, he he has that, and also a firm sense of what friendship is. That's true. Yeah. Um, because basically, what Doc satisfies is that all of us want a friend who will always say yes to going out and partying, no matter how old they get. And no matter how tied down we get, we want somebody that we can always call, and they'll be like, yeah, I'll go to the bar. Heck yeah, I will. There's an entire genre of cinema based around that. Yeah, and and Doc satisfies that. Like, he'll always be there. He's never going to grow up. Well, and that's the key there, too, right, is he'll always be there as well, right? Like, not even just, like... Not even just to go and party and hang out, but like no matter what, when the chips are down, you know, you know, your friend Doc's going to be there, in in ways that you aren't even counting on, or think is or think is possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim, do you have anything else on this specific minute, minute eighty eight? Should we well, talk about the dog? I want to. I want a quick one. I want to pop. No, in. <laughs> I'm not going to discuss the dog. This is. This is you guys have a level of, of obsession with Tombstone that is endearing and super fun, and this minute and this sort of whole sequence of minutes, Kurt Russell as as Wyatt Earp looks like a character from one of my musical obsessions, The Allman Brothers. There, I was oh, stunned yeah. by how much Kurt Russell in certain scenes looks like an early '70s, very early '70s Dickie Betts. And if anyone is watching who is familiar with Dickie Betts from the late 60s and early 70s, it's shocking. He looks a lot like him. And that yeah, was like there's... that was that was just a weird thing that like jumped out at me. They have the uh, same exact mustache. It's the same exact mustache, it's the same sort of hair and he has the hat most of the time and other times in the movie when the hat's off, his hair isn't like quite so loose. But uh, anyway, uh, I don't I don't know if there's any significance to that, but I, I love the hell out of that. Does Dickie Betts, is his mustache real? His mustache is very real. Okay, yeah, good. They, like, that's a, an essential part of being in the Allman Brothers band is having a mustache. And as far as I know, Dickie Betts also not the biggest fan of like lasting marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where he went later in life, but I know that earlier on, it, he you know the romance is kind of didn't work out anyway <laughs> he's had uh one two three four five wives oh, well wow. so <laughs> that's amazing i mean he believes in marriage <laughs> sort of. i think he believes in, i think he believes in the party yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a big fan of the reception yes <laughs> as are most people Oh man! So no I have children. a I have a minute related question for you guys, and I, yes, yes, I yes. To, for better or for worse, I like asking questions like this and not giving anyone time to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. Morgan's hurting, guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. like basically, like they could keep digging in there, and there's a small, tiny chance they'd find that bullet, but it's just not worth the pain you're putting him through. I was I was going to ask you guys what your most painful experience is. Oh God! And it really made me think about how lucky I am because I've. You know, I've gotten hurt before, but I I can't really think of exceptionally painful moments. I've never broken a bone. Physical which, pain? Uh, 
Yeah, physical pain, emotional pain. Yeah, I've, I would carry that with me. Well, every I've heard day, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that topic be explored. I, I think like the most like immediate, and this wasn't really even that long lasting. But like in basketball, I've landed on guys' feet and turned, sprained my ankle pretty bad, and that really hurts. But well, that's not that bad. I've never I, had surgery, so I ha- I've had surgery, but I don't remember much of that, and that was for a broken arm. But the okay. broken arm, I hardly felt. Like yeah. I didn't really feel it. It was just broke. But I do have an experience that uh, this is going to be really hard to describe. But maybe it'll it'll be interesting for the creepy dental horror aspect of it. Oh God! <laughs> Doc oh, called that it reminds related. me of one of mine. Um, about oh, almost about eight nine years ago, um, I was I'm one of those people who has just never gone to the dentist. I, I, I go now because I have to like, I'm getting older. <laughs> I mean, I watched this on VHS in college, but, um, so I had an abs, a tooth abscess and that mm. was just unbelievable. It was like I, in my lower right jaw in the course of, uh, a little under 24 hours, I, the abscess grew to be about the size of a somewhere between a tennis ball and a golf ball. I've heard this is incredibly painful. And it's incredibly dangerous. Yes. If the abscess breaks in your head, it goes to your brain and kills you. But at the time, I had this sort of crummy newspaper job, and I didn't really have any money, and I didn't know. I already wasn't going to the dentist. Like, I did, if I didn't have money, I wasn't going to like get regular checkups. But I had no choice. I was taking three Advil every hour to get through the night. <laughs> and it was just, it was just unbelievable. Um, but that was like over a long period of time, like over a course of 24 hours, it was just this dull pain, which you just wouldn't believe. Like there was no choice, but to just every hour take ad related to this. Once we got this under control, the, the, the dentist who was helping me out said, all right, we got to do all this other work in your mouth. And I had a bunch of drilling done and one of the teeth was in the upper front of my mouth and he kind of. Like he got the injection in for the anesthesia, but he it wasn't exactly perfect, and it shot up a nerve to uh, alongside my nose up to the bottom of my right eye. Oh my god! And it was imagine like (laughs) imagine like electrified ice, like and you can and like it was disturbing because it could go like I clearly felt the super thin line of nerve of like nerve or whatever it is that's in there. Like I like I, it felt like in like a threaded electrified icicle just instantly right up from my mouth to just below my eye. And like tears, just like a faucet came pouring down and the guy's like, <laughs> he, was a, he was a very nice dentist and he was good to me for me being <laughs> a person with such a rotten mouth. But he's like, Hey, are you okay? I was like, well, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I in in one second both of my eyes completely started pouring tears and I like bolted up in the chair. I'm I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, anyway, there you go. That's that's not quite a bolt in the back, but that sounds pretty rough. No, it was pretty rough. Yeah. Um this Joe is where we, right, this is where we get into the butt doctor. Oh, man. Oh man. This Joe this is Joe's entire goal on this podcast, <laughs> I feel like has yep. been for me to publicly share this story. I've shared some things. Okay. All right. About four years ago. <laughs> Yay! 
<laughs> Maybe four and a half, five years ago, I had an issue where I had to use the bathroom a lot. I had to urinate a lot. This had to keep going. I feel like I was, I went and then I'd sit back at my desk and be like, I you had a going problem. I had a going problem. <laughs> And so I went to urgent care and I explained to them what happened and they, I, you know, peed in a cup and they're like, all right, here's some meds for you. And I took these meds and it worked fine, went away. No big deal. A couple years later, that was probably about six years ago, a couple years later, it happened again. I remember uh, my wife and I were on a road trip and uh, we stopped somewhere to use the bathroom and then we... Uh, got back on the road, and a little later, I was like, you know, uh, can we pull over again? I got to go. And she said, uh-oh, I wonder if you have a prostate infection again. Oh, no. And I thought, oh. And that just activated all the bad parts of your brain. Yeah, it just buried itself in my brain. And then for, like, the next week, it was the same thing. I had to go all the time, all the time. So I go to urgent care. And I just, I'm hoping this is quick. I'm just like, hey, this happened before. Could I just get the prescription to get rid of this? And I pee in a cup. And he's like, all right, well, since you've had this issue before, I'm going to have to do a prostate exam. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, no, no big deal. My wife was pregnant at the time. I was like, she's going to give birth. In a couple of months. This isn't a big deal, Rob. It's fine. So I was like, all right, you know. So I don't know if you've ever had a prostate exam, but maybe the worst part of it is you have to, like, put your entire, like, torso on the, like, table. Like, you just flat. Like, you lay down the whole, on the, the table? Thing. Like, your yeah, top like your half? Yeah, like, your shoulders are even on it. You're just, like, laying there... <laughs> And you're not wearing any pants, because that's a key part of this. And I was like, all right, it's not a big deal. It's no big deal. <laughs> and I don't know who my doctor was, but... <laughs> you don't remember who your doctor was? I don't remember who my doctor was, but, like, he lubed his finger up and put it in there. And it wasn't, it wasn't a normal finger. It was, like... I don't even mean like a Sharpie. I mean like a Sharpie Pro king size permanent marker size <laughs> finger. It was terrible. So this this thing, you know, this guy shoves his big Sharpie finger in. He's like a monster in a Guillermo del Toro film. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, God. Rob's That's Labyrinth. Not... Rob's Labyrinth. And oh this is God. in there, and he's, you know, he's a doctor, so he's got to explain everything he's doing. Like, well, I'm touching, you know, one side of your prostate here, and yeah. uh, I'm gonna do touching the other. the other side here. Okay. And then he says this. This part I wasn't expecting. He's like, all right, um... Use the muscles you would use oh. if you were having a bowel movement. Oh, man. And I was like, um, <laughs> okay. And so I do it. And that feeling, he removed his permanent marker finger. Hopefully the cap wasn't still in there. And he, he says... As I turn around, because I felt the feeling of having to do the muscle, I would have bet, Jim, I would have bet everything I own that there was probably 
feces all over oh, the floor. God. I would have bet, and I would have put my entire life savings and future earnings on it. Luckily, there wasn't. Well, I'm happy that there wasn't. Um, but and then <laughs> not, guess what? I'm not happy. Guess He's what, so guys? Guess what? Uh, my prostate was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, th- this is the happy ending that story needed. And then I, well, no, it's not a happy ending because it didn't even have to happen. No, it does. It's very um, important that you maintain your prostate health. That's true. Did you get at least like a like a blue ribbon out of it? No, nothing. Good prostate health. I wish I would have had that doctor from uh, from Tombstone because he would have just gave up immediately. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm nah, I'm not gonna deal with it. I love how the, just, the diagnosis was like, uh, it's, it's just lodged all in your head. Deep. It's just it's all lodged in your head. too deep. It's lodged too deep. <laughs> yeah, lodged too deep. I'm out. I'm out. Uh, yeah, it was all in my head. There was nothing wrong with me physically. Oh, well, that's good. That's good because I'm of the age where I, I have to like get that. Like, You need to go. Like, You can imagine after my story about the dentist how often I also go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... And uh, the way that story started, I was like, oh, man, you know, this is not helping me get to the doctor, Rob. But it, happy ending. Happy man, ending. I tell you what. It's just a little I, discomfort. He, got, he was unlucky with doctor finger size. You know? Doctor finger size. You want the fingers to be yeah. long but Mr. thin. You want the really short doctor. Mr. Sharpie Pro King size. Um, <laughs> I, when I call around for the appointment, they're like, I need, I'm looking for a doctor who's like 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, about 100 <laughs> Extremely thin. Yeah, could you, can you find? Uh, I would like Nosferatu, <laughs> please. Long, skinny fingers. Jim, Joe, do you guys have anything else? I, I have a lot of stuff, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. We've been going for quite a while. I have a lot of Dana Delaney thoughts, a lot of Thomas Hayden Church thoughts, but it's all part of the it's all part of the Tombstone Tapestry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just mention them, and I'll just mention them, and uh, and we can all nod and and talk about uh, and agree silently how much uh, fun this movie can be. That's people, true. that's true. I do remember how upset you were that we hadn't seen um, China Beach, China Beach, yeah. China Beach, and then Thomas Hayden Church on wings, yeah, as the dumb guy mechanic. Yeah, that I have seen, but don't remember super well. But I have I, seen that. I love how we have listeners that just love the movie Tombstone, and instead of hearing you talk about Dana Delaney and Thomas Hayden Church, they heard about your dental issues and my prostate issues. <laughs> you know what, though? Our good friend Joe, uh, we can thank him for that. Yeah, Joe with his ankle he one time sprained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really makes Thank. I've been very lucky. Thank you, guys. And it's a good, it's a good PSA. I mean, go to the dentist. Yeah, go to the doctor. Go to the dentist, you know. Yeah. Uh, All right. Exercise, um, but be careful while you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't step on people's feet. Um, well, Jim, thanks a lot for being on. I'm glad we are able to make this work. It's super fun. I I appreciate you guys bringing me back to the movie Tombstone and a lot of other people, it seems. Yeah. yeah I hope so. It's been your re- enjoyable. Your retweets are the best. <laughs> of, like, of like people with like blue check marks, just like, oh, I'm eating a pizza and watching Tombstone. This is great. Yeah, every time it's on CMT or AMC, I know because Twitter just blows up with mentions on Tombstone. But it's like, like pe- ev- <laughs> it's like people covering the White House. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, we would agree. You should listen to the podcast about it while you're waiting for 
<laughs> More White House news. Every everyone every time Trump does something dumb and they need a meme to defend him, they seem to go to Tombstone for some uh, reason. Yeah, that's there's that too. Um, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Jim, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with minute eighty nine. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jim. <laughs>